From SoftChoice, this is The Catalyst, the podcast that is shining a light on the human side of IT and reframing our relationship to technology. I'm your host, Erica Van Noort. For many of us working from home, opening up our laptops in the morning has never been more complicated. Many people are booting up five or six apps just to start their day. They're responding to emails and instant messages to connect with colleagues one way, and then communicating with customers another. And not to mention the dozens of web browser tabs we've already been struggling to toggle through. Maybe that's just me. Either way, it's exhausting. Change is hard and painful, and that needs to be recognized. We weren't supposed to have all of this digital transformation all at once. In the IT department, it's evolving. Today, employees are not only burnt out, they're frustrated with trying to keep up with all this adoption of new technology. New systems and processes just keep coming. So while acquiring new collaboration tools is one thing, getting people to actually use them is an entirely other beast. So how do companies decide what deserves our dollars and brain power? And what can we uninstall for good? Joining me on the podcast today is Luisa Colmenares, Director of Workplace Innovation at SoftChoice. She and her team are on the cutting edge of adoption and helping companies to solve the vicious cycle of keeping up with the pace of technology. Louise is here to help me explore the gaps, learning curves, and challenges created by the rush to evolve and how to get the most out of this new remote everything world. Louisa, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thank you, Erica. It's so nice to be here. Louisa, this episode, we're digging into new technology adoption something I know you focus on a lot with our customers. Tell us a little bit about your role at SoftChoice and how important adoption and change management is to you and our customers. So starting about a little bit about myself, for years, every day when I wake up, I think about the day-to-day challenges we all experience in work. And I wonder, how can technology help us do more or be more productive or more engaged? And here is what the major problem that we're facing today. It is that actually the amount of technology and functionality that's available today, it's a lot bigger than the ability for end users to catch up and be on top of it all. And as a result of this, businesses have too much underutilized collaboration technologies, and this is affecting our ability to see return of investment And also, it's getting harder and harder to justify further investments on digital workplace technologies. So we're kind of like stuck in a circle. It's like the technology change is happening too fast for end users to absorb it all. But it's hard for IT to justify investments because end users are not fully adopting the existing technology. And that's kind of where we come in, my team and I. We are super passionate about trying to actually break this circle and solve for this problem. You've mentioned too much technology and you talked about the gap between the amount of technology and the ability for people to adopt. Can you expand a little bit on that? Absolutely, Erica. And and, and here is the thing. This is not a new problem. At least over the last five years, businesses in North America are reporting that for every $100 that a company spends on collaboration and productivity software, only $20 are in use. So there's a big gap there. And poor technology usage can also cause user engagement issues. 
especially when technology gets in the way, we're all wasting time. Some examples of that we experience every day. In average, we're switching between app and app more than a thousand times a day. Only three in 10 employees in North America strongly agree that they have the right technologies to do their work. On the other hand, 87% of CIOs say they believe digitally empowering employees can drive at least 5% additional revenue growth over three years. And that can be a major contributor to talent attraction and retention. So there is actually good news. There is recognition on the impact of both sides, the problems that result from poor usage of technology, and the positive outcomes that companies can get to if we overcome these challenges. And acknowledging the problem, it's a first and critical uh, step towards finding a solution. That's great. I, I love how you shared it. It's not a new problem. It's one that's always been around, but that when you look at that $100 spend and the $20 in return on investment, that's not good. So there's a lot of opportunity here. But let's talk a little bit about the impact of all of this with the pandemic. So many organizations rolled out all of this new technology in order to support remote workers. Has that made things worse? Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Absolutely, Erica. And the reality is that uh, in the context of the pandemic, it accelerated years in digital transformation into days or months. And the thing is that the technology capability was already there. So from an end user perspective, we were not necessarily ready. And that's where adoption comes in. It represents that people side of the technology change. And that's where things have been have been a lot worse since the pandemic. And, when, and it's interesting because when I think about it, our listeners are often the leaders of, of IT within their organizations, and they have this list of all of these priorities that they're working through just in keeping everything up and running. How do they make adoption a priority and how do they actually make it so that it actually makes it to the top sort of five or seven on their list? Well, something else that we learned through the pandemic, it's actually how quickly we can adapt to the new way of working, right? So as businesses return to a state of normal, end-user adoption will be more, more critical than before, right? So like we all know digital work is here to stay. Companies need to continue to ensure that the tools that users have and people have at their hands help the businesses stay competitive. So we need to face it, right? We all know what's coming will continue to be unpredictable. And change management will be critical to help end users adopt the technology that will help businesses emerge. This all means that ultimately, as an end user working for a company, I will need to feel supported on this ever-changing uh, landscape in uh, change management and end user training is a critical component to that. So if we get really prescriptive, like, what are the things you can tell an IT leader to say, listen, if you unlock this, this, and this, you will be able to close that gap on the ROI? So over the last couple of years, we've done a lot of work with Microsoft Teams deployments for customers. And one of the most basic business drivers to the use of Teams is to increase synchronous communication, so like chats and groups and participation in communities. And the intent of that use of technology use on that way, it's actually to enable faster decision making and ultimately to solve a problem that we're all facing, which is too much email. So even after the pandemic, many industries in North America continue to be very email centric. 
And then when we deploy teams over the next few months, and if, if email counts are not decreasing, this should be a big red flag, right? So that means that we are still email-centric, and yet we've deployed a new tool to communicate and that can be overwhelming for people because now they have a bunch of email to manage with a bunch of chat and participation to manage. In the ideal scenario, as people actually adopt Teams chat in a proper way, the email count should start coming down. And if that doesn't happen, that's a big indicator of poor technology usage, right? Another example is that we often see that there actually is increased adoption right after a deployment of a new technology. But then we notice a stall or the decline as users go back to their old habits. So keeping an eye on the adoption KPIs will be critical to be able to catch where adoption is lagging. And then IT leaders can use that information to then talk about the lines of business and how important it is to drive the user's technology for them to see the return of investment. Now, when you think about KPIs, I look at KPIs in two ways. One is there's the traditional KPIs of our chats increasing, our emails decreasing. We know that people are moving those things together. But there's also what I call like human KPIs, which is people, they go, you know what, it never works, or I try and use it, but it, it's, it's not doing what I want it to do. So we understand that there's so many different types of end users. And yet at the same time, human beings are just naturally resistant to change. We say we like change, but we're naturally resistant to it. So when you think about that intersection of people and technology, because that's what we're all about here on The Catalyst. What would you say, Louisa, is the best way to, to overcome that, right? Because we know that technologies add in more and more complexity than ever before. We know what we're expecting of it is simplification. And so there's this gap. Yes, absolutely. And, and it's funny, talk about change is hard and painful, and that needs to be recognized. Adoption Core Research Studies tells us that there's going to be some natural resistance and then there will be a productivity dip. So the intent of a change management plan is not to avoid that dip. We cannot avoid changing human behavior. But the objective with the change management and user training plan, it's to reduce that dip to the minimum. And it's interesting. It's a matter of perception, right? Three out of 10 people are saying, I don't get the right tools. And that's not necessarily because they don't. It's because sometimes it's a matter of perception. And that's where the champions come in. And in the first step, we talked about engaging that executive stakeholders and the champions that will drive the change, that it is critical to make the ongoing change work and then make that, that human factor of the change happen in the reality. And I'll give you an example of that. When you actually make the due diligence to take the end users, uh, a group of end users to drive change and be champions, then they're actually enabling the ability for people not necessarily to feel that they need to reach to IT or to the help desk to solve one of the challenges that they have, but they feel they have a partner in crime that they can ask questions to that will help them go through their, through their traditional issues on, on a daily basis. And those champions are supposed to be then the people that will help all of the community get around the technology challenges and will help drive that change from more of a positive perspective. 
Burnout isn't a new concept to anyone these days, but for a lot of us who think we might be experiencing it, sometimes it's hard to pinpoint exactly what's fueling that fire. While I have my suspicions that the rush to keep up with new systems isn't helping, I had to check with a few of my colleagues at SoftChoice to hear what they have to say about adoption. Let's all assume that new technology gets rolled out to your desktop today. It's a new collaboration tool you've never heard of before. How quickly, so this is the moment of truth, all right? How quickly are you going to be in learning and adopting to that new technology? And what's going to drive you to do it? The truth is we are so swamped during the day-to-day with like all the tasks that we have to do, all the projects that we have to run, etc. that the bandwidth of taking time to learn something new, it's really short, it's really small actually. Hi, my name is Nolin Talmudi. I'm the Solution Marketing Manager for Workplace at SoftChoice. Unless we have forced to put our nose into it, it will be a little bit difficult for us to like take the initiative to start learning something new because we just do not have time and do not have the bandwidth. The time to learn, it's more and more and more smaller and it's difficult to learn something new unless we need to, I think. Absolutely. I was going to say like, until it's a problem that I have to solve to get something that I need to do done. It's kind of like, you know, there's not a lot of time in the day necessarily to say, I'm going to go on LinkedIn learning or another learning tool and just kind of casually absorb new knowledge. It's like, I need to do this particular thing today. Hi, I'm Braden Banks and I'm content production lead at SoftChoice. There's a lot of like um, anxiety around adopting new tools and stuff and change. I think it, it comes from like fear of change. Brayden, I will add on the ease of use, the compatibility between the different existing tools. Because if I need to jump from a tool to another one and they do not talk to each other, it will take me even more time. And I will definitely say ease of use and compatibility. Like I was just going to say, it's it's kind of a, an, an interesting experience. Uh, my partner, who I live with and also works from home due to the pandemic, her team adopted Teams last week. So I'm acting as a bit of a service desk employee myself, getting called into the other room to like, how do I how do I turn off this notification? Or, or it's kind of interesting to watch it happen in real time. I, th- I think some of my knowledge is like I call it like you know just in time knowledge where I'll ping Brandon. Brandon's on my team and we'll be like, okay, Brandon, okay, I forgot how to do this. Okay, can you remind me? And he'll be like, okay. So it's back and forth. So I think a lot of it is just in time learning, but it also plays into what I called the FOMO, right? Which is fear of missing out or fear of somebody knowing that I don't know something. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much change that's coming at us from technology today. Like even if I think of the tools that we use, they're constantly pushing updates out and there's not training that goes along with updates. So I'll give you an example. Last week, I was in a meeting with some of my peers, and all of a sudden, Microsoft Teams now has the ability to push people out into breakout groups. So it's a feature and functionality that wasn't there two weeks ago, and I didn't know about it. I would say probably 70% of the my peers on the call didn't know about it. So when you talk about that continuous like updating and things and recognizing that most of our listeners 
they're flying the airplane, right? So the airplane's in flight. We're changing engines. We're doing updates. We're doing maintenance while the plane's in the air. So it's not as though everyone has the luxury to go back and start from scratch. They actually have to say, we're live with this technology now. So how do we insert some of those pieces for ongoing improvement, ongoing learning, ongoing education in a way that they can digest it? And how do we do it in a way that's meaningful and easy for them to adopt and understand? That will vary depending on business to business, right? There are different methodologies and people learn in different ways. We talked about one of the last components of the final stage. It's that ongoing awareness, communication, and education. So there are a variety of how-to guides that can be created on the flight and how-to videos, depending on how the companies decide to implement this for their organization. There are people that are do lunch and learns. Also, people that decide to actually prevent the change to be implemented to the end user before they send the communication. So IT has the ability to then not push in the updates before then a communication has been sent to the end users informing what are the what are the new functionalities and how they will help them. When we talk about ongoing adoption, this is precisely what then needs to be designed, right? How are we going to release on new features? Are we going to pause the new feature the Employment through awareness and communication and a lunch and learn or a video that will tell people how to how to do the training. So those things can vary from customer to customer. And the idea is to design that with uh, with customers because we are all human and it might be different for all of us. It's a great point. And I would say most IT groups don't have someone in there that thinks about how people consume things, right? So we think of there's our training, learning and development departments and organizations, which are very much fixed and and really wanting to focus on how the learner absorbs and is educated. And then we have IT and rarely do the two of them come together from a partnership perspective, right? So I always say there's this gray space, right? IT pushes it out and others are like, oh, we forgot to train people on how to use that. If you have that ultimate partnership, you can actually anticipate and get the messaging out ahead or with the tool, with the feature and functionality, whatever it is. I like that. Absolutely. And and it goes back to the pandemic, the impact of the pandemic, right? We weren't supposed to have all of this digital transformation all at once. And the IT department, it's evolving. Every single business after the pandemic has realized, okay, I need to use technology to solve our business problems. And the line is getting blurred for all of us technologists. Now, it's no longer about the feature or the capability or the bits of the server or the network, etc. It's about how will this technology be used. So then we've got to change the perception of how they typically work in IT and design projects and, and do the ongoing management of these technologies. It's a great point. And, you know, people put like five-year plans into a month, right, in order to accelerate the digital transformation. You know, I always say every crisis has a silver lining. And I think this crisis is also, it's elevated IT in a way that organizations didn't see before. And so now they've come from the back room to the front room. And now the organization is looking to IT to say, okay, so how can you better enable us as we move forward? Absolutely. And actually, I have a great customer example. Let's go. I love a good example. Please share. (laughs) Okay. So we've been working for a few years with a healthcare institution and they have about 
11,000 end users. And right before the pandemic, we were working with them and we were designing a five-year plan for a digital transformation to do the migration from their legacy systems to M365. And they were integrated with Cisco, a Cisco voice infrastructure in the backend. So then, boom, the pandemic hit and then we were faced with having to deploy Microsoft Teams as a collaboration solution and they were challenged with many adoption resistance from end users across multiple lines of business, right? So they had different needs from the research department to finance to program management and clinical. So there was a point in time where they realized that they needed to do something different because doing the end user training only or the even the awareness and communication with the one-time deployment, it wasn't working. As a result of their rapid response to COVID, they have to move 4,000 people to remote work in a matter of days. And then that's where we actually not only then help them deploy the technology for for making that a reality, but we help them by meeting with different stakeholders from the multiple lines of business to determine use cases and then understand how the end users were working today and how they needed to work remote. And then the training that was developed for all of these end users was actually built in into the real life use cases for each of the different personas in the departments. And it was designed to drive productivity and enable end users with the tools that they needed to consume specific to the roles. Then again, a few months have passed after the pandemic and they were able to fully realize the benefit of M365. And in fact, they actually have had uh, an increase. They were expecting first the 500 users were part of the initial pilot. Between three months, 500 people turned into 5,000 people from the entire 11,000 that were using that were using the collaboration technologies effectively based on the KPIs that were set for success. And something else came into the picture. They, by themselves, decided to start using Power Automate to automate some mundane tasks that they were doing when they were working in person at the hospital facilities that they now then did through their through their phone into just a simple power app. So it really unleashed the potential of the M365 platform in this case. And it was through actually going through that seven-stage uh, project and focusing on personas and use cases for each individual. Luisa, you've talked about, you know, it's about how do we simplify all of this? How do we make it easy? I know here at SoftChoice, our CIO talks about everything should just work. So we think about that in relation to talent, because we know that people will choose to leave organizations if they find they don't have the right tools today. And years ago, people used to go to work because we always had cooler tools than they had in their home life. Now we know people in their home life have probably just as many cool tools as they do at work. So how do we actually look at collaboration, usage, and adoption in a way that it will help us to not only attract talent, but retain great talent? So I don't want to sound like a broken record. We we talked about this earlier. Part of the seven steps, it's really about getting clear on what is the vision that the business has for how they how the technology will solve a specific business problems. And then there's come the, the, the human side. It's all about people now. It's no longer about the technology. It's about the people side of business. 
So any final advice or resources that you would love to share with our listeners? And if they have some concerns where they can start, what are the things that they should be doing once they're finished listening to us today? Well, first, it's actually trying to adopt a changing mindset as an IT leader, right? Like ultimately, deploying and it will come later is no longer applicable. And adoption, uh, solving adoption challenges over time will continue to be a priority for us in IT. So then I would say, like, no matter the technology that you're looking to deploy, make sure that user needs are considered and the design of an adoption plan that includes change management, ongoing and user training and success measurement. It's part of that plan. That's awesome. Because I, I, my crystal ball says that there's going to be a lot more we do in the world of hybrid work. And it's going to be, how do you make everybody feel inclusive and support them collaboratively wherever they're working from? Because we're going to have people in meeting rooms. We're going to have people remote. We're going to have people on airplanes again. We'll have people all over and uh, what all that looks like. So thank you for sharing all of that today. It's been a pleasure to have you here. Thank you, Erica. It's been a pleasure for me. As humans, our ability to accept change isn't always easy. And that challenge has only become harder since our world was flipped upside down last year and we were forced to adapt to change at an unimaginable rate. As tech leaders, that means we have an important role to play in helping people through that process of adoption, a responsibility that most of us in the industry never expected to have. And hey, that's a big change for us too. But our new world means adoption strategies aren't just temporary anymore. They're here to stay. And they're here to evolve along with us. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found some tangible advice to help you make the most of this new world of working. If you did, make sure you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or recommend the show to a colleague. In the next episode, I'm exploring how the pandemic changed the game for healthcare collaboration and the patient experience too. Because while we sit safely at home, even frontline workers have learned how to work in bold new ways. So don't miss it. I'm Erica Van Nort. See you in two weeks for another episode of The Catalyst. <laughs>